today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. She is a survivor. Yesterday, one of St. Joseph's Hospital's first COVID-19 patients was applauded out of the hospital. And this is quite a story. 41 days since she entered the COVID-19 unit at St. Joseph's Hospital. Six COVID-19 tests are being released. And finally, finally, two negatives. And yes, day before yesterday, she was sent home. Finally. Helen Keene is her name. She's a warrior, she's a survivor, and she's with us here on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Helen, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Oh, good morning, Bill. Nice to be here. First and foremost, <laughs> nice how to are you feeling? Nice home. Not bad. How are you feeling? Well, I'm dealing with a lot of fatigue and uh, weakness yet. Mm-hmm. Being in bed for 40 days, literally, yeah. uh, takes a lot out of you. And this virus seemed to attack wherever your weaknesses were, like whether it was your your lungs or your heart or your kidneys or whatever, it seemed to want to do its damage wherever the weak points were inside of you. This is a, an interesting story for those that, that, uh, that don't know, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking with Helen about this, uh, because you know the system. I mean, you were a health care provider for many years, weren't you? I was for 12 years at Heritage Green Nursing Home, yes. So you know the routine, you know what goes on, and you, and you oh, were one of the people sure. that was comforting others, etc. And, and then yeah. all of a sudden you become a patient. That's that's kind of like turnaround, yeah. isn't it? It is. It is. It's very, very uh, interesting to be on the other end of it because you know what they are going through. You know what they're sacrificing. You know what, in, what it entails. You know, um, these people... <clears throat> Pardon me. These Take people time. that come into work every day to look after the elderly and the whoever, young, old, it doesn't matter. But they are putting their lives on the line, you know, and a lot of times they don't get the recognition that they should get. I'm so happy that, especially, and what a timing, Nurses Week, right? Yeah, exactly. And this is a time where we really need to, to focus on supporting them, too, and being there for the, for their needs as well. Well, and, and I'm glad that's happening. A couple of weeks ago, I had uh, the premier on the program, and and you know we talked about long term care facilities like Heritage Green, where you used to work, and yeah. and. And, I, and it's problematic because there's a lot of stuff going on with government, and I don't want to draw you into the politics of it, but I said, you know, Mr. Premier, <laughs> I said, you've got to make this a priority. Now, his mother-in-law, as I'm sure you know, is, is a resident in one of these facilities, and she's in lockdown yeah. right now. Uh, and, and oftentimes political change happens when the people that are making those policies all of a sudden are impacted yeah. by this, and now he's being impacted this. And I'm, I'm, right. I'm sorry that it's happening, but maybe now we can have a, a full discussion about what's going on because you've seen what happens in these facilities. You worked yeah. in them. You know what the shortcomings are. And then you became a resident in one, and uh, it wasn't too long after that you started feeling ill. Yes, <clears throat> it didn't take very long uh, for me to realize that that I was in trouble. Um, it started with a really, really severe cough. Like I could not talk for two minutes without coughing or having a coughing spell. So. I went to my room and I self-isolated and it was Sonny, the, <clears throat> the nurse at, at Cardinal. He came in the, the next morning and he said to me, Helen, he says, uh, you've had a fever through the night. You're, you're coughing nonstop. Uh, I really feel 
you should be going to the hospital, you know, and I, I just dreaded it because over the last two years, I've had so many hospital stays with my, my three artery bypass surgery two years mm-hmm. ago, a staph infection. I was in for a week with it went into my blood and just so many different things happened to me where I was in a hospital uh, setting. So I, I dreaded it. <laughs> I dreaded going. But did you but know in your heart of hearts that you had to go? I did. I yeah. did. For, you were feeling that lousy. Yeah, and it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't just for me either. It was for everybody else in the retirement home. Like, you're, you're really aware of the fact that if you're carrying the virus, I mean, what's it going to do to everybody else, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, at, the, at the least, I wanted to know if I had it or not. I wanted and to find out if, if I had it. So you got transferred. You were taken down to the hospital, and and by the yeah. way, I'm glad you mentioned your conditions, I, uh, because we've always talked about people that are at higher risk, and uh, you're still a relatively right. young person. But I mean, you've had some medical concerns, including uh, heart surgery, etc., which puts you into that category, doesn't it? That that's right, and that's why they took it so seriously. I believe that's one of the reasons they kept me as long as they did too. I was on uh, heart monitor and being closely watched for about two and a half weeks. Um, they, you know, they monitored me. And once they felt, I remember the doctor coming in the one day saying to me, Helen, I think you've turned the corner. He said, I think we're okay. (laughs) He says, now it's just a waiting game of getting the two negative results. And trust me, when you're waiting, (laughs) you are really anxious. It, 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 it. Minutes feel like hours of it. Oh, just. You can't even imagine, you know, it. when I got the first uh, negative last Tuesday, when I got the first negative, and I thought, maybe. <laughs> I'm cautiously optimistic, but mm-hmm. maybe I can go this time. And then the second positive came back, and I was very beaten down. I, I felt very lost. I felt very alone. And then over the intercom comes this, beautiful beautiful song by Westlife called I'll See You Again which has been my go-to whenever I feel low and missing my husband and they played it they just they said we have this song that we want to play for Helen you know and they didn't have to do that no but that tells you an awful lot about the staff there doesn't it that's right absolutely and that's what I am so grateful for is they made it personal you know, they, they looked after my emotional status quo as well as my physical part, my physical uh, condition. You know, it was an all-encompassing care that I got. Well, it gave you a boost when you really needed it. I mean, because you were there, you had that one negative test, and you thought, God, this is it, we're close, we're close. You could see, yep. The, yep. see the finish line, and then you got that positive <laughs> And, and obviously that takes the window to your sales, and they know that because they're, you know, yeah. they, they're caring people. And, and that song, I, as I've told you, really lifted your spirits at a time when you really, really needed it. Absolutely. Well, when I first got to the hospital, for the first three days, I don't really remember very much at all. Uh, but I remember one night uh, the nurse came in and she said to me, she says, Helen, she says, is there anything I can do for you to make you feel less isolated and and lonely you know because she knew that I have had always had difficulty with nighttime missing my husband and 
She said, we have the computer in here, in a room. I can put something on for you. What would you like? So I told her about Westlife, and I told her about the song. And she put the playlist on for me. And I went to sleep with that every night until my daughter, Heather, was able to get my cell phone from Cardinal to me. <laughs> and I thought to myself, how wonderful is that? You know, like, they, they just... They really wanted to make sure that I was okay emotionally as well as physically. And from a a caregiver's perspective, from my own caregiving experiences, that is what makes a good caregiver. When you go beyond what you normally have to do, beyond the routine of day-to-day caregiving, you know. And everything I gleaned from my experience as a caregiver, I translated into the care that I gave my husband when he was sick with pulmonary fibrosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to us about, about that element. We're talking, by the way, with Helen Keene, who is uh, just, she's home now after 41 days in the uh, COVID-19 uh, ward at uh, St. Joseph's Hospital. Uh, it's a long time. Uh, and, and we talked about how great the staff are there. But how did you maintain contact, I mean, you know, with family and, 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 and others? Because obviously there's <laughs> got to, ha- has to be some restrictions. Well, you, you're given a phone and you're, you're given internet capabilities and you're given a a TV that's that's free you don't have to pay anything for it but the phone the first couple of days everybody was trying to call it I think there was about six designated lines for patients to use so it was a hit and miss there were sometimes I got through sometimes I could not get through and the same for people calling me to find out how I was so it was pretty restrictive the first week or two but when Heather brought me my phone, I now had internet, like I had my data on my, my iPhone, I could look up stuff, I could phone people, and that's when FaceTiming came in, and my grandchildren, and my my granddaughter uh, was expecting her third little girl, baby girl, and we didn't know, you know, when she was going to, she was very close to delivering, and she had her baby while I was in there, a little baby girl. Her name's Daisy, Hmm. and she also felt the um, impact of having to be in a situation where she was alone. You know, her partner was there with her at the end of the, the, the delivery, but she was on her own, and it impacted her tremendously. And my children, I mean, so many, um, aspects of your personal life change drastically through something like that, you know, something like this happening. Um, I feel, I think I feel the worst for uh, people out there who have lost loved ones through this pandemic because they couldn't be with their loved ones during those moments where they were letting go. I don't know what I would have, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to ask you how important that was to to have that family contact, to be able to touch base. (laughs) It was, it was essential. It was essential. Uh, There's, there's physical comfort and there, there's um, emotional comfort. Now the physical comfort you can't get right now because we are being isolated, Mm -hmm. but the emotional comfort for anybody who has a chance to reach out or FaceTime or or uh, call or encourage or send a, a letter or whatever, you know, it's, it's crucial. 
for emotional stability and, and emotional well-being. You know, it's very important to stay connected to your family. You heard the stories about others that, that are dealing with COVID-19. And, oh, and here you are in isolation. Uh, some of them, sadly, uh, succumb to the disease. I mean, yes. did, were, there, were there moments where you were just down in the dumps and thinking, what, what, what about me? What's going to happen to me? There, <laughs> there was one day that I hit a wall and uh, one of the housekeeping staff had come in and she had been talking about her, taking her father home and being with him in his last weeks. And when she said he was dying of pulmonary fibrosis, I lost it. I think I cried the whole day. That, <laughs> you that's know, how you lost your husband. Very, yeah, yeah. And I just thought to myself, my goodness, you know, like, here I am, a little piece of sand on a beach, you know, just such a speck in the whole tapestry of this COVID-19 thing that's happening. But you, it's personal for you, and every single person that has had it is dealing with it, is being affected by it, it's personal for them. It's their journey, their story, and it's just as important as anybody else's, you know. The fact that the family were there, whether it's video conferencing or cell phone calls, whatever the case might be, is is certainly a factor in this. And we were just talking about that low point uh, when you were feeling really, really uh, down Mm -hmm. emotionally. All right, let me, as, just about out of time, but i got to finish off with, okay, from that emotion, uh, tell me, Helen, about the day you went home. Tell me about getting into the wheelchair, getting packed up. Oh, uh, I think many goodness. of us have probably seen this picture of you going down the hall with the staff, the staff on that ward applauding you, giving you an ovation. I know, I know. It was, un- it was surreal. It was totally, totally surreal. Uh, they had, had me in the wheelchair, my suitcase was beside me, and I had no idea... And the nurse came, she says, I'm just going to go get your medication, and I'll come back. And then she put her head through the door. She says, Helen, she says, the staff kind of want to do something special for you, and it might include a videotape of you. Do you think that's okay? I said, sure, fine. I'm going home. I don't mind. You know, it's (laughs) fine. But when I came out the door and I saw the corridors lined with all of these wonderful, wonderful people who had looked after me so beautifully, and they were applauding me. I felt I should have been the one applauding them. And as I was going out, you can't hear it, but behind that mask were a zillion thank yous and oh, yeah. you're the best. And, you know, like my emotions were so high. And when I finally got down to the car, when Heather picked me up, I was in, I was in tears. I was just, I couldn't even talk. And uh, it, was, it was a moment in time. It really was. And I just wish everybody safety and and uh all the best um you know it's a journey it's it's a transitional period in our lives and i hope everybody comes through it like i did well we've uh, called them the, the healthcare heroes those are the staff members are. and you you know them all on a first name basis they that uh, that got yes. you through this and i know yes. you'll never forget them no <laughs> never ever no Helen, we are so glad that you're back home. We're so glad that you're getting over this. I, I know the road oh, is not finished you. yet. There's still work to be done, and yes. and uh, we, you're going to be careful about this, and the, the people that loved you and got you through this are going to continue to keep an eye on you to make yes, sure this happens. Yes. But, boy, we uh, we need to hear great success stories like this, and your determination is, is a big part of this, and the love that you felt from family and friends and, of course, from the staff at St. Joe's as well uh, are all factors in why you are right now where you are and and, and home instead of in there 
Yes. I'm very thankful. We're very very thankful, too. God bless you. Stay healthy, Thank please, so okay? Much. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Great talking much. with you, Helen. Bye-bye. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Helen Keene, 41 days in the uh, the unit at St. Joe's, the COVID-19 unit, and she's home. Uh, and that's that's the kind of success story we need to hear. We've heard some of the other ones, sadly, and we need to know that uh, because of the great work that's doing and the love of family and the support that happens, uh, this is a beast. The people that have survived this this COVID-19 say it is a beast. It it just saps you. As she said, just about, it, it's like it finds every weakness in your body and attacks that. And uh, it's a testimony to, to Helen and her spirit and, uh, and, of course, the great work at St. Joe's. So congratulations to everybody involved in that. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.